Well, welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast. Tis me, Philip O'Connor, as it is every week at around about this time, sticking together now the podcast for the people above Ludio and below in Gothenburg and in Vorbe and all the way along the coast there to Helsingborg and to Malmö and back up to Stockholm and Javelin and Westeros and Örebro and all those lovely places. I hope you are keeping well. I've been out among you a little bit lately. Uh, I'm recording this now, not in my little studio in downtown Stockholm. I'm actually at home of a Sunday evening bringing this to you the night before it gets dropped at 7 o'clock in the morning because that's what we do every week. Uh, And the reason I'm doing that is because late last week I went down below to my good friends down in Malmö because uh, I was recording a very special episode of the podcast which you can hear next week. And that's because we are coming up on the 25th anniversary of Fagan's Pub down below in Malmö. Um, the last down there got in touch and said, would you be interested in coming down and having a chat and just marking this momentous occasion? And I said, Jesus, I would, because it's a fantastic place. It's uh, gone through a couple of owners. We spoke to the latest owner now sort of for the last seven or eight years. He's part of the conversation, Mickey. Uh, he's part of the chat that we had around the table there the other night. So that's going to be coming up next week. And uh, it's that'll be the week before. So it's the first weekend of March. So the second, third, fourth, fifth, that weekend there. And there's mad things going on down there. And the reason I was more than happy to go down there, because we've all seen Irish bars, boys and girls. We've all seen the name over the door or that kind of thing. And we've gone in there and they're not very Irish at all. And they haven't a clue how to pull a pint of Guinness. If you go into the Gothenburg in or the Irish in Gothenburg Facebook page, somebody was in one of those English slash Irish pubs down below in Gothenburg. And uh, they put up a picture of a pint of Guinness. And I swear to God, there's a head in it as big as my own. And that's saying something, lads. So, uh, yeah. So I went down there. We did that special podcast. Now I just have to put the whole thing together which is going to be wild because i think we had five different microphones on the go so i'm going to be sitting there crocheting everything together for the next week to bring you that and i'm more than happy to do so because it was brilliant to get down to malmo for those of you who don't know um Malmo have always been the sort of great rivals of the Stockholm Gales here and uh, I was at the very centre of that rivalry for many years and things were said and things were done and things were written in a book about the whole process which I'll tell you more about next week so I wouldn't, I wouldn't always have been the most popular person on that side of the Orisund Bridge and who knows I may not be but I think yeah, by going down there and having a chat and marking this occasion they may just be prepared to forgive me the worst of my indiscretions from that time but uh, it's a lovely little community down below in Malmo as well because um, it's a little bit different I suppose all the Irish communities we have in the, in the country a little bit different from the lads in Lulio and Yavla and Cleftio and building sites and then a sort of a slightly more sort of you know older maybe mature community I suppose and I mean that in terms strictly in terms of age here in Stockholm and then in, in down below Malmö seems to be a lot of uh, younger people many of whom came here by themselves and they went to Lund and they were studying and they were academics very clever people you know so uh, yeah it was interesting to get down there to have a little bit of a chat with them this week uh, there's going to be a little bit of sport before we get into what's going to be on this podcast right I, I pulled a fast one on the listeners of the global gale last week right so the global gale is another podcast that you'll find on exactly the same feed as you found this one right and it comes out on a saturday morning at 10 o'clock central europe uh, european time perfect time for when you're going walking the dog or mowing the lawn or mowing uh, walking the lawn mowing the dog what do i know um and this week, it's uh, one of those things where I was way ahead of myself with the uh, the Irish and Sweden podcast. So, like, I have episodes for weeks in the Irish and Sweden podcast. And in the Global Gale, uh, the, sort of the storeroom had run out, right? And I was contacting a few people, and a few people said, yeah, yeah, no, we'll do that, we'll do that. And literally every interview I booked fell through. So I had no choice but to take a, a, a subject that I thought was really fascinating anyway, but it was actually a gent who lives here in Stockholm called Colm O'Callaghan. Uh, many of you who would have worked for Ericsson or worked in communications over the years will know Colm well uh, he's been in that business a journalist like myself and then went into sort of corporate communications great filmmaker really great feel for all sorts of communications and that kind of thing but he is big into marathon running and that was what set me off on the sort of the sporting team for not just that podcast but the the two podcasts so if you're into running or if you're considering starting running or if you want to know about running and why mad people run and why they're out there jogging around in their day glow trousers and that kind of thing have a listen to it because i was always a sort of a team sports guy or competing directly against one other opponent in a boxing ring or in a jiu-jitsu match or a karate match or that kind of thing you know but it's never one for the the individual thing of just going and cycling you know 50 miles or going and run a marathon or that kind of thing so i always had a hard time sort of understanding 
uh, the mentality and the psychology of people who do those things and he explains it so well and he's so good at it as well he's an extremely modest character but he was actually a really really brilliant uh, runner both in terms of marathons and also cross country so go and have a listen to that when you're done with this but on this week's podcast there about a week and a half ago our good friend Daniel Hickey from County Tipperary now Dan the nicest lad in the world right but I think there's a little part in all of us who secretly secretly hates him right because he's good at everything give him a ball and he's just brilliant at absolutely everything brilliant hurler fantastic Gaelic footballer brilliant soccer player professional golfer recently retired from competition and Dan has opened up a facility out by Arlanda Stad here near the airport right so it's only a stone's throw from the Arlanda airport and it's basically a golf centre with indoor driving ranges and simulators and a couple of pros like himself on site to help you get sorted out so I went out there the night that he was opening it up we're going to have a chat as well with Michelle Cotter the wonderful Michelle Cotter fluent Finnish speaker and she's starting up a camogie here in the city of Stockholm very very soon as soon as the the snow melts and we know it's gone for good Uh, so there's a chat with Michelle coming up because this is very much a sporting team on this issue but the first uh, or on this episode but uh, the first person we're going to hear from is Dan Hickey I took a a drive out there grabbed Zach Elbazadi who's playing football for AIK currently rehabbing an injury and we said we'd nip out there and we'd see and Jesus lads if we didn't bump into a whole load of boys who used to play the Gaelic football and who haven't been seen for months and months and months because they got an old bag of golf clubs and it's thrown over their backs now Right, I really enjoyed being out with Dan and that kind of thing. The truce is not over. My war on golf continues as long as fellas will play daily football. But I want to wish Dan every success of what he's doing. So we went out there and he showed us around and he even taught me how to swing a club or two. So here's a little chat that we had out there with Dan at Impa Golf out by Arlanda Stad. I hope you enjoy it. Dan, tell us where we are. You are in Impa Golf in the Lannistad Expo Centre. Let's start with the name, Impa. Yes. It's a couple of words put together. What is it? It is. It is Improve and Inform Academy. There you go. Yeah. Put it in English as well. Yeah, it's a smart way to do it if you're going to make sort of an international success of it. The noise you can hear in the background is golf balls hitting off these screens and the simulators here. How did the idea come about for opening up the whole place here? I trained and competed before. Um, and I was coming almost to the end of the career, as you could say. Um, I was trying to go into like the coaching role, and then my old coach had the same idea. Uh, so we put our thoughts together, and we came up with the idea of make uh, start with an indoor training center together. When you go about starting a business like this, you need plenty of square meters. You need somewhere you can be. We're out in Ireland, a start close to the airport here. How did you find this location for the business? So we originally had the idea to make uh, to make like hitting bays in a driving range mm-hmm. in Ireland, a golf course. Yeah. Um, and then with where Alanista Golf Course was originally bought up at the time we were supposed to build. Yeah. So there was a interest, a, a kind of conflict in um, our contract with the new owners. So we got in contact with a new company who bought them. And then they have owned the center and yeah. they were renovating this whole center. Um, so they said, we have available spaces, units. So we came and took a look and liked it, found an area that worked because square meters is, is obviously important here to get the right distance and the height and the roof yeah. for simulators. So we it worked out well, we got the contact and they had a, a unit available. So we started building immediately. It's always a big risk starting any business, and especially when it comes to do with something to do with leisure like golf, because it's the first time something okay, I'll have to cut down on me golf, you know, if, if yeah. you know you lose yeah. it. How much did you sort of toss and turn at night before you decided, right, we we have to do this? I'm still tossing and turning at night, <laughs> <laughs> and it's up and running. I mean, that's uh, any business, I suppose. You know, you, yeah. you, you don't take risks, you can't get the rewards. Yeah. Mean, so we both we both live for for golf as well. So. Yeah. We, we made it work um, with what we had like so I mean we, we've got the right contacts at the minute I suppose helped us helped us um, in that area so. where's the business going to come from because it's always in the first few weeks you're, you're sitting there go, you open the door it's like build it and they will come but yeah. you, you have to find people and there's loads of people here tonight like all the bays are taken up there's lads yeah. knocking balls around left right and centre Where, where's the business going to come from are these amateur golfers happy amateurs half the fucking Irish community is here knocking balls all over yeah. the shop as well yeah? so it's a bit of a mix, mix of both you see in, in golf in Sweden because of the weather mm. so you have like almost two seasons yep. so you have the summer where you have great weather sun mm-hmm. you know you've 
loads of playing time because it's late at night. Yeah. Um, and then you have the winter. Yep. So it happened, the time we were starting up the business, we were planning for the summer. Yeah. But then we had to kind of reallocate our idea of, okay, now it's winter time. Yeah. So that's why we started the idea of we need to be kind of an all year round company. Mm. So we thought, okay, we'll start with the indoor training centers. Yeah. Um, and then we'll evolve and branch out and move this area to a range in the summer. Yeah. So we'll have all year round trainers. We'll have here for, you know, everything from custom fitting, training. So you can be a new, a new golfer. New to the new to golf, or you could be up to a pro. Yeah. So we have pros here working with us, and who are also, you know, competing year round. Yeah. And they are here to help people evolve, give them tips. We have a trainer here, Cali. Mm-hmm. He was a part owner in the business. He's a full time trainer the last ten years. He's helping everyone from new as well. Yeah. Also, with myself starting to train people yeah. as well. So. He, he helped you in the beginning as well, he, didn't he? He helped yeah. me. He was my whole coach in the beginning. So. Um, yeah. He's my coach for about five years. Yeah. And so, in terms of how in a place like this and the equipment that you have here there's lights everywhere there's very complicated computers and, and sheets that are measuring you know distance and angles and that kind of thing. is it very expensive is there a lot of investment required to get a business like this off the ground it is it is we we our idea was to be you know to improve all golfers from new to pro so you know, we obviously wanted the best the best of the technology that's out yeah, there yeah. and this technology comes from it was actually bought from england so it's called Foresight Sports. Yep. Uh, newly involved, but in new technology to literally measure every part of your every swing. Every aspect of it, yeah. yeah. Every aspect from your club to your swing, whatever. Uh, so we decided to go with them, get them in here. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a huge investment to, to get it up. But, but it's the kind of stuff that you can keep. It's not going to be obsolete next year. There's no, not going to be a newer, bigger, shinier thing next year kind of thing, you know? This is kind of the best, the best of what's out there. Hmm. Uh, and whatever does evolve from this, we can update the software in the existing computers we have. Yeah, so, so, so there's no built-in obsolescence or no, this kind of no. crack like, you know? So this stuff is pretty mobile where we can bring it wherever we need to. So. Yeah. Uh, the room we're standing at the moment, there's three bays sort of outside there, but this one is something special. This is for, this is like the VIP room here, right? Exactly, exactly. So this is like our training room. Right. And it can also be booked out for like private functions as well. If you have a couple of lads who want to just come and play on their own, mm. so you can also train in here. But this is mostly for Mostly will be for custom fitting and uh, training with our pro here. So. And you've mentioned that as time goes on, there's a sort of a membership set up here where people will be able to get a key card or some sort of a fob yep. and let themselves in and, yep. and play away. Yep. Is it very expensive for people to become members here or to use uh, the services here? No, no, no. The membership is, is pretty decent. We have on our website an name for golf. Um, we have different types of memberships for whatever you're looking for. For if you can come here a couple of times a week or we have maybe come here 10 times, we have different cards for whatever your needs are. Mm. So whether you're a company or just even your, yourself wanting to play, there's totally, just loads of different memberships. There's plenty of freedom there yeah. to do that. And as you, know? you have now in Sweden as well, you have free swords with you, so you can, you can get tax back. The, the, amount, the amount of people who are looking for that money off me every year is amazing. You know? We also have with us uh, Mr. Zach Elbuzadi is here, a, a keen golfer. Not a good golfer, I've heard, but a very keen golfer, all right. Zach, how, how interesting does this look to somebody like you in the beginnings of their professional golf career? Oh, it's dead. You know, the facilities are top notch. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's good. I'll, I'll have to come out here and and give it a go and see what happens. What sort of a golfer are you? Are you you're, you're usually a very... Shy. Shy golfer. <laughs> you're usually a very laid-back character, but I have heard that you've been known to lose your temper on a golf course. My brother lives is his temper I'm like I'm calm but sometimes golf gets the best yeah. you hit that one good shot and then you think you're Tiger Woods and then it brings you back down to earth and you lose your temper, temper again as a professional footballer are you allowed to play golf are you allowed yeah, to wander yeah. around four or five hours yeah but I'd always get like a, a buggy or something but, and I wouldn't play the day before a game but now it's like I think you'd get a lot of footballers that play even in England and that's it's a good way to mind and take your mind off yeah <laughs> he's gone the other way he's turned yeah. into a professional golfer but no, it's good I think I think at the end he had to give up the football because it was getting in the way of his golf you know Dan do you want to analyze my swing for me and see if any can it be saved we'll give it a go we'll you're gonna hurt yourself again laughing at me now in a second so we go out here and see if we can find it the last time I swung a golf club it's probably been 20 years since I swung one, right? So uh, we thought we'd give it a go here now uh, just for the sake of it, right? Because Dan has always claimed to me that he can fix anybody's golf swing, and I don't believe him for a second. 
I have played many, many years ago. Yeah. yeah. Now, played, played is kind of, you know, let's not exaggerate too much here, Dad, you know, so. He's looking at woods. I don't know if that's my game at all now. What are we pulling out of the bag there? Pulling out uh, a nice brand new eight iron. A brand new eight iron. Here we go. So what am I doing here, Dan? So we're lining up this ball here for this. Right. So we have a sensor on the mat and everything else like that, right? So, so is this your first time swinging a club? It is not my first time swinging a club. However, it may look like my first time swinging a club, but I haven't swung a club in a very long time altogether. Give us a go there and we'll see what happens. Okay, so we'll give this a go. Didn't sound too good, did it? Definitely not too good. That sounds overly positive. Was it halfway decent, was it? Well, I think we leave it there, lads. You're fixed. I just have to come in. That's the thing. Right, he's putting down another golf ball. Now he's going to tell me to do things that are not going to come naturally to me, okay? Yeah, so you're going to move your hips with the club back. So when you follow through, follow all the way through and up. Okay, so I'm going to move my hips back with the ball-ish. Too much back, but more forward when you're following through. Okay, so when you're following through. Flow back. Yeah. Yeah, and then follow your way forward. Okay, here we go. And turn out to my left. Okay, so here we go. Um, Watch and learn, Elvis AD. Watch and learn. Here we go. And he tops the ball about five <laughs> yards. <laughs> what happened there, Dan? Was I trying to burst the ball or what? Yeah, trying to burst the ball. Okay. Swinging too hard. It's a nice, easy swing backwards. Keep to move your weight more forward so the ball is in the middle of your stance here. Okay, so the ball's in the middle of the stance there. Yeah, there okay. Hands a little bit forward. So. Uh, bit forward. Yeah. Okay, but super. Easy back swing and just follow through. Nice. Mm -hmm. Perfect. It looks like it's going to hit that mountain at the back there. We're in the rough. It looks like we're going in the rough that there. Went automatic 20 meters further than your first shot. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just with that little thing. So yeah. just adjusting our weight. Mm -hmm. So the ball should be in the middle of the stance. The weight a little bit. I'm a little bit forward at start. Yeah. Your hands just are forward with the ball here. Okay. So there. Twist forward. Twist out to your left. So twist, so twist out to the left. Everything done. Yeah. Follows through. Just follows through. I think there was, there was usually a little bit of a spin there from the pros, but uh, how was that one? We'll worry about that, maybe. We'll worry about that a little bit later. Um, Dan, one thing I would like to raise with you is that they never all went in the same direction, right? I've gone left, I've gone right, I've gone all over the place here, right? Uh, what I suppose I, that's because I haven't really repeated what I was doing at all, is yeah, it? Yeah, so you've okay. got a new technique now you're adding in for the mix of words. Yeah. Uh, the grip that I have on the shaft of the club, what, what do you think of that? That's pretty okay. Yeah, okay. So just swing up. So when you come down, think about swinging down and up to your left. Uh, and raise it up to the left, okay. Shank that one a little bit. So what you're doing is you're moving your hips forward. Yeah. But you're not, your upper torso needs to move. It needs, to, it needs to follow it around. Like so. Okay, cool. That so looks. stopping halfway. Yeah. I actually feel that I'm stopping myself so you there. Think, you know? about, think about this, just follow down and through yeah. and where the target is. Right. Here we go. My God, the banana, that one off to the left or something else, alright. Now you're rotating with each other. That's good or bad? Yeah, no, that's good. You're working on the rotation. Okay, yeah. What I'm going to do now is just think about this club path comes out here. Okay. So if you. So, so it's almost like shoveling something. Exactly. If you just roll this ball out here. Uh, in a straight line, yeah. kind of it. Yeah, cool. That's what you're looking at the path. Okay. So you're rolling out here and up here. Super. <coughs> There's a lot of things to think of, in fairness. Is Elbus 80 still laughing at me, is he? <laughs> I hope you're not taking any video for TikTok as well. So. How long? Did it take you, Dan, when you started playing to actually... Now, you're a natural sportsman, right? So you're brilliant at these ball sports to begin with. How long did it take you to realise, hang on, I could actually do something with this? This could actually work out for me? Uh, maybe when I was about uh, 15, 16. So that was five or six years after you first picked up a golf club, was that? Uh, yeah, I started uh, maybe well, between 10 and 12. Yeah. But I was only, you know, messing around at summer camps and stuff. Yeah. So my grandfather worked on a golf course and kind of got me into... Into the whole thing. A couple of competitions. And after a couple of competitions, then decided to uh, go a bit further. To keep at it. Zachy keeps putting these golf balls down, so I'm just going to have to keep hitting them, all right? Right. I'll hit, I'll hit one last one, right? Yeah. I just need one to go in the hole. If it goes in the hole, I'll just throw the golf club away and I'll never be back here again, you know? <laughs> He'll just give up.
What's it, when it goes to the left, is that a fade or a draw? That's a draw, right? It's like a little draw. There used to be a, 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 <laughs> like a left hook in boxing. Uh, there used to be a golf course in Deer Park out in Holt. And the first hole is sort of down, uh, and there's a road beside the road. There's the, the golf clubhouse. You played it, it's a nine hole course there. And you know, if, the, if you were playing, if this was the straight direction, you'd have to turn like, you know, 45 degrees because that draw has always been there kind of thing, you know? But I will be back out here. If people want to find you, Dan, if they want to book a time with you or a book a time to come out here, what's yep. the best way to go about doing it? So you can go onto our website, which is called Info Yeah. Uh, or you can go in, in our, we have an app where you can do the booking. So it's called Sweet Spot. Yep. So you go into Sweet Spot and you go into this, uh, it's called Simulators. Yep. And then you'll see, You'll see there Impa Golf. Impa Golf. And then you just click into that app and you can book whatever time you want. And then you just turn up over here. Brilliant. And if somebody wanted a lesson with you, they'll find you through impagolf.com yeah. so, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah? Through Impa as well. You can contact us through info at Impa Golf as well. Tremendous. Uh, thank you very much indeed for your guidance. I think I'll just retire here and now. It's not going to get any better than what I've just done there. <laughs> no, no, I can't afford the divorce act. That's how it is. Maria, I'm coming home. Don't worry about it. Right? But uh, Dan, thanks very much for having us out here. And I look forward to seeing many Irish champions in the Swedish circuit coming out here. Thanks for coming, Fitz. There you go, the magnificent Dan Hickey uh, taking me, put me through me paces, lads. And I'm really glad that you got the audio version of that and not the video version because I thought at one point there when he was telling me that, you know, uh, my old, my upper body was moving but my lower body wasn't. And I thought, God, I honestly, I thought I was going to hurt myself like I was that stiff and that kind of thing. And then you see Dan himself swinging a club and just magnificent altogether. And a lot of the boys out there, um, Jamie was out there, Connor Clark was out there, Oh McMeal was out there. So it's really, really well worth a visit. So Impa Golf is where you want to be going. You'll find them, uh, just Google Impa Golf, Dan hickey or uh, i'll include them with the show notes and that kind of thing and you'll find them on my social media over the next little while but it's amazing to see how quickly you can adapt the things or adopt the things that they tell you and get them into your game and do something uh, decent with them so with the golf season starting up now it might be worthwhile taking a little trip out there and spending a few bob and having a chat with dan and that because it made all the difference i gave up playing golf right i don't actually hate golf i only pretend i do just to annoy noel scullion but uh, i gave up playing it because i just found it so frustrating that you know you, you'd play you know one good shot and then five really awful ones and i found it very difficult to replicate what i was doing that kind of thing now i have been told that if i do con continue to play golf I may very well find myself uh, ending up being divorced, which in fairness is frankly bonkers. When you think of the things that I've been doing, swanning around the world for the last 20 years being married, and if I started playing golf, that'd be the bit that Maria would get upset with me over. I don't know. Each to his own. Anyway, Impa Golf is where you're going to go. Before we get stuck into um, Michelle Cotter and talking about Camogie and what she's doing, I was talking to her, she's away up in Lapland, more of which anon, as they say. Um please support the show if you can right this is the year that we want to really get the podcast business up and running both here for the Irish in Sweden and also for the global gale there's two things you can do one is you can support me financially patreon.com forward slash arrowmanons.com throw a fiver into the pot there right still the same hasn't gone up in this cost of living crisis I could do with getting a good, another good few people in there uh, to keep this going and the other thing is you can swish a few bob on one two three two four two four one six six. that's one two three two four two four one six six, and all of that is uh, goes straight into a bookkeeping system and everything else like that so the taxes are all paid and the VAT is all paid and you don't have to worry about anything and it's all done for you you know uh, but the Patreon thing would be brilliant because I'm kind of using that as the platform now to go sort of fully 100% independent if I can right so it's great to be able to work for other people and that but I'd love to be able to make podcasts for the Irish community around the world and make that the cornerstone of what I do so that I can go down to Malmo to Fagan's pub and to go out to visit Dan and to call up Michelle Cotter and have the time to be able to do those things you know the other big thing that you could do for me right and especially if you're working in there in one of the embassies or in one of the state agencies right and especially for the global gale podcast tell people about it, lads okay share them like go into your social media take the post i pull up on facebook or the stories on instagram whatever and share them to your own network or on linkedin as well as a big one right because that makes a huge difference you know all of these things are controlled by algorithms now and i can be posting and posting and posting all i want but it's not going to make a blind bit of difference unless people like yourselves uh, get involved and get sharing it right there's a few people 
who'll share almost everything that gets put out there the wonderful Atty Anderson who we're going to have on this podcast at some point in the future because uh, she has had great experience of uh, the Irish and of being in Northern Ireland back during the Troubles and that kind of thing so get her on for a chat but she's always you can always be guaranteed that Atty will give you an old retweet or that she'll uh, share something on Facebook or that. and if everybody did that it would really sort of make it easier much easier for me especially for the global gale to reach the global audience uh, that I think is out there for that podcast you know so if you could do that if you can throw in a few bob great if you can't just share it and again i'd stress to absolutely everybody listening to this right these podcasts will never cost money i'm not putting them behind a paywall right i remember what it was like not to have a whole heap of money i think your man was telling me down below in malmo that a pint of guinness is now like you know 89 crowns or something like that right so this shouldn't be like a a a sort of a, a barrier to being able to enjoy the content and feel part of the community that we're building here but in that case i would ask you if you could to go ahead and to uh to share the podcast for me right now uh the first time you would have heard of Michelle Potter, uh, Cotter on this podcast Michelle Potter on this podcast this is getting worse and worse as we go along uh, the first time you heard of Michelle Cotter uh, she got the boat with us this time in about sorry, April last year and we went over we played Gaelic football over in Finland where we discovered that she spoke fluent Finnish and Michelle was coming over at that time she'd only just been in Stockholm for a couple of weeks and she was working for Revolut, the famous bank that a lot of people use back home instead of Swish and that kind of thing. And I have a little Revolut Visa card in my wallet that I use and we travel to that kind of thing. It's very good. You just put your money on it, off you go. And um, Michelle came over. She's from County Clare originally. Mad to get involved in the camogie, but we didn't have a whole lot of camogie to be played. So she got involved in the Gaelic football and gave a very, very good account of herself. But now she really wants to get the camogie up and running. So I said I'd have a chat with her about that. But I also had a little chat with her before we ever got into the sporting side of things at all. I was just getting into a chat with her about her working life and that because like many people in the pandemic she kind of came over here to set up an office there wasn't really uh, anywhere to go so she was sort of on her own and that kind of thing and she's kind of a uh, you know starting this sort of almost a new trend of sort of working not just working from home but working from absolutely anywhere so when we spoke there about 10 days ago she was away above in lapland because you know that's just the kind of girl that she is she sees a challenge like skiing or cross-country skiing she wants to do it she just goes and does it and i think it's a hugely admirable trait in uh, in people young young and old who go and do these things so we had a chat about that but she has big big plans for getting camogie going in the city of stockholm which she'll tell you all about as soon as i stop talking and let her take over so we'll do that now will i i have to start with what do you do in lapland cotter um, God, yeah, where to start is right. Well, I managed the Finnish market and work, so any excuse to kind of cross over the border from Sweden to Finland, I'll take it. But um, I've become a, a bit of a fan of skiing now in the last couple of years. So up here to uh, mess about on the slopes a little bit, to be honest. And it's alpine skiing rather than uh, the cross-country skiing that uh, that you've sort of got caught up in, is it? Actually, I give I give both of them uh, a bit of welly now, to be honest. I'm probably the happiest bad skier you've ever seen in your life. So picture somebody, you know, tearing down the slope with zero form, entirely out of control, but kind of a manic smile on her face. And that's me. So, yeah, that's kind of me on a snowboard most of the time. So, uh, you know, we'll have to get together and do a little bit of that. Um, had you skied before you moved to Sweden, had you? Um, only once once or twice to be honest I only kind of gave it a go in adult life so I think the first time I went skiing was probably five or six years ago um, and I haven't been that many times either so it was five or six years ago and then maybe four years ago um, and only for you know two or three days at a time but um, mm. yeah really enjoyed it so yeah trying to keep it up and get a little bit better. So. I think the funniest thing that most Swedish people ever saw was me trying to learn to ski at the age of about 30 and my parents-in-law actually thought that I was going to die. They were going, this is just, no, it's just like anything over like two degrees and I was falling over <laughs> this kind of thing. But So I'd be entirely self-taught. Have you had anybody showing you or did you just go, right, this is the bloody-minded camogie player and he comes out and goes, I'm going to, to do this. <laughs> Um, I've had a few people patient enough to give me pointers and tips. And then last Christmas in Ore, um, up in Sweden, I paid for one three hour lesson with a man called Robert Lindgren and, um, you know, a proper Swede. And he asked me where I was from in Ireland. And I said, oh, he's never going to know it. So I said, uh, oh, you know, generic the West. And he said, oh, OK, Galway, Clare or Limerick. And I went, oh, Jesus, um, I kind of caught me off guard and I said I'm from Clare and he said oh okay I used to work in Shannon for a while and I thought oh my god what I forgot forsaken 
no no offense to any Shannon listeners now, but um, uh, not the nicest place on planet Earth if you're working in the uh, the Shannon Free Zone. It's why they have an airport, I believe, but I couldn't possibly. It's why they it. have an airport, yeah. <laughs> and then he said um, the biggest piece of advice he he gave me was around where how I'm holding the pose, and he said, you know, you, you seem very tense, you seem really really stressed out. I just kind of looked at him and said, yeah, I've I've actually gotten that feedback once or twice before, um, but uh, no, that was that was the one time I've gotten a three hour lesson and other than that I don't even look at the color of a slope before I kind of try and navigate down it and that's served me well so far. Do you not? You, so you just go up on the lift and you go I'm going that direction good luck. Yeah pretty much and um, it, it tests me you know sometimes you get this nice gentle slope and you're going down with kids and it turns out to be some little bunny slope and then another time you're down some dangerous rotten little black but um, yeah whatever. I, I got really offended one time a few years ago. I, I can't remember if it was Bjorn Rika or Van Dalen, but I was going down this thing. I hadn't even noticed, you know, the way they give the slopes names, you know? And I thought, Jesus, this is going well. Look at me. Swish, swish, swish. And I came down the slope and uh, my, my mother-in-law was asking me, oh, which slope did you go down? I said, I don't know. And then my wife looked at me and went, yeah, you went down one called The Pensioner. I thought, oh, that's great. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Like, yeah. All that confidence I just built up. It, sort of went, it was like a souffle collapsing <laughs> as I went along, you know. And when it comes to cross-country skiing, because we know from your previous appearance on this podcast, right, and your fluency in the Finnish language and that kind of thing, that you're big into these things, right? Um, cross-country skiing would be the big sort of battlefield for the Nordic nations. How have your experiences on those skis been? Um, to be honest, I find it quite challenging, but it's such a great workout. And obviously that's not the reason to do hobbies necessarily, but um, but it really is. It's something I haven't experienced before with almost every muscle group being worked out. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting in itself that it's not just one or two kind of areas that are repeatedly getting exercise, but I find it really hard to turn and break two highly important elements of any any downhill skiing um because when the tra- and you're in the tracks you're fine right you can't really go anywhere you're you know you're a train you've you've got no option and then when it comes to the bottom of a slope and a turn the tracks tend to kind of weaken disappear people are slowing down so they're doing that whole pizza motion um and then i just typically fall that's my default setting is just to oh i'm scared i'm going too fast i'll just yeet myself into the bush um so i yeah a lot more practice to go but there's actually um a cross-country ski event in northern finland uh, it's called the ulas levy um ski classic so it's you've got two options 55 kilometers or 70 um and not one to shirk a challenge i signed up for the 50 or 55 i should say um in april so i'd want to improve between now and then i'd say Okay, this is where everybody listening to this podcast needs to go back to me talking to Carl Lambert from what was, in inverted commas, Team Ireland about 10 or 12 years ago. They took on the Vasa Luppet, despite, uh, you know, having difficulties and even standing on skis. And what they did was basically they went in there with a set of triceps each and just sort of, you know, hacked their way through the entire course, which I had enormous respect for, less so for the technical uh, performance than for the sheer bloody mindedness of it. Is, is that something? Did you have any lessons with that or did you have any Finnish or Swedish friends that said, look, Michelle, um, have you tried this kind of thing? Because I can't imagine that falling over as a braking mechanism is going to be sort of appreciated when you get in among the, uh, the scrums of people taking part in the race. Um, yeah, probably not. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, the only thing I've actually done so far with practicing for cross country is there's one very specific uh, training machine in SATS uh, to help with your actual motion, the up and down. So I've tried that a few times. Um, and other than that, while I'm here, I've got another three weeks in, you know, Lapland. So going to I have my own cross country boots and I'm going to rent some skis probably tomorrow and give it a go and then if I need a lesson on technique or breaking uh before then I'll book one in for maybe around March yeah. so. I, I found myself once or twice with a snowboard I decided to learn to snowboard after the Pyeongchang Olympics which is another one of those your, my kids just look at me oh Jesus you know another midlife crisis here we go but I actually found myself in the middle of learning to snowboard sitting watching YouTube in the middle of a hill going okay so that's great I could turn left now how do I turn right you know and this kind of thing. Um, you said have you sort of moved up to Lapland just for for a few weeks just to get away from everything and, and that kind of thing and how does that work in this sort of post-COVID world of remote working? Does that work out all right for you? Or is your boss going, here, Cotter, that's enough now. Back to the big smoke. Come on. 
Yeah, um, you know, I think that's one of the biggest benefits about remote working is the ability to be fully remote, you know, and, and what that means is, you know, not just having to work from your kitchen, but actually being able to work from any kitchen anywhere. Um, so we have a remote working policy where we can be outside of our region of employment for up to 90 days, which I think is, uh, you know, pretty decent, pretty generous. Um, obviously, if I can get more, I'll take more. Um, but that's what it is at the moment. And so um, as long as I've got good quality Wi-Fi, that's pretty much what I was looking for in terms of any accommodation I was uh, I was interested in was just making sure that I can stay connected. So um, thank you to lovely St. Bridget. I've got Monday off, so I've got a long weekend coming up so I can take the three days and play around in the snow for a little while. But um, other than that, I mean, if anything, I tend and I don't know if you can resonate with this a little bit, but I tend to actually give more hours of work um, when I'm somewhere like this, because it's almost harder to separate from, you know, your personal time and your work time. So if anything, while I'm here, unfortunately, I've actually given maybe 10, even 11 hours of work per day because I'm opening the laptop when I wake up and I've got a coffee on. I'm doing my full day's work and then when I'm sitting down to kind of relax in the evening I've still got the laptop beside me and I'll think oh I'll just check on that or I'll schedule this message for tomorrow so if anything I kind of you know subconsciously overcompensate for the fact that I'm not in an office environment but um I mean it, it works out you know there's there's mutual benefit to be gained I think yeah I think from the time I first met you I realized that you are a very sort of hard-working person uh there at Revolut and that you do an awful lot and in the beginning you were traveling you were doing all these things I have to this is going to sound like a weird question but did you ever actually really move to Sweden because you seem to be flying about the place and now you're up in northern Finland and that kind of thing there seems to be part of you that has just refused to move psychologically at all <laughs> <laughs> That's uh yeah, very astute observation, I'm not gonna lie. Um to be honest with you, how it happened was almost accidental. So um I bought an apartment back in Ireland. I was incredibly fortunate that uh an apartment came on the market uh, at a time that I didn't even think I was looking. I had some savings, but not not a lot, I would say. Um now again, I'm not from Dublin, so property prices are a lot more manageable in Munster, still high, but more manageable. An apartment uh, was put up for sale and I had just enough to make it work. I couldn't have bought a Chinese takeaway after buying this place, right? So when I say just enough, <laughs> maybe, you know, slightly too little as well. Um, and so I bought the apartment and I hadn't planned on staying in Ennis long term because it's, a, you know, it's my hometown and it's quite small and there's not a huge amount happening there when you still want to explore and still have that sense of adventure I think for families and settling down it's fantastic but I'm just not quite at that stage yet um and so after I had renovated it I thought where next you know what now and I hadn't actually secured the role as country manager for Finland and Revolut at the time so I was a product sales executive helping roll out one specific product so for any Revolut users if you open the hub and you look at all of the buttons one of those buttons was mine right um, and so I wanted to try something new and I thought you know what I'm going to try going to Sweden for a couple of weeks and so I just booked an Airbnb in Södermalm um, and I thought, let's let's just see what this is like. I'll stay there for a few weeks. You know, uh, worst case scenario, it'll be, you know, a change of scenery uh, and a nice holiday somewhere a little bit different. Best case scenario, I'll actually like it and make a few friends. Um, and it was the, the latter that kind of happened. Um, now, a big part of that, obviously, leading to why we're talking today was the Stockholm Gales and it's why you and I first got introduced as well as I sent Hazel who manages the Instagram page a message I think my second day in the city being like hello what's all this about you know? <laughs> I'm here <laughs> I think 24 hours in I realized how isolating it could be not knowing a single person in the country um, <laughs> and working from home um, but yeah I really liked it so I, I went back to Ireland after that month um and just went back to work and had a few things going on and then thought you know I actually I'd really do like it I could see myself even short to medium term making a bit of a life for myself there and started putting some plans in motion as to how would I be able to make that happen so um I rented out my apartment so that was the first step um, I sold my car obviously that was the second step that 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 hurt more than anything I loved that car um and what then car, what car was it the lads would be wanting to know what car that was it was a Lexus IS 220d so it was a, it was I have a no idea one. what that is but I'm sure Alan Mahan will be <laughs> very any, pleased for anybody who does now I, I really liked it but I'm sure they'll have comments on it as well <laughs> um but yeah I just started putting different plans in place and then in June one random day um an opportunity came up in uh, the sales leadership team in Revolut and it was to move into leading 
part of our European expansion and it was going to be general so it was going to be either the UK or Ireland you know maybe looking at the DAC region and I actually pitched Finland because um, language wise I don't have Swedish but I do have Finnish and I thought right let's if you're going to put me into European leadership you might as well root me where I also have an additional skill in terms of language so why don't we launch the Nordics um, spoke to you know the big big boss um, and he said he had a couple of objections and I was kind of prepped and ready to handle them. And then he said, let me get back to you and decide. And then at 5 p.m. on the dot, to be fair to him, um, he called and he said, OK, let's do it. Let's launch Finland. Let's grow out a Nordic team, um, you know, assigned a certain amount of uh, of headcount of account executives that he was willing to hire um, and put investment behind. And so the ball started rolling from there. And I thought, oh, shit, like this is actually happening. Um, <laughs> Damn, yeah, no, I, I don't do it. Yeah, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry, you know, it was kind of one of those what have I done moments, um, but a huge career move for me, you know, a huge, a huge leap and an, uh, a real challenge as well. I think sometimes in the tech sector, you can be stuck in these roles for, you know, the, the typical 18 months before promotion and some companies are quite rigid about not being able to move before you've hit that 18 month um, level. And so you're the pace of growth and learning can stagnate. Um, quite quickly you know especially if you're somebody who likes that process of learning more information and seeking out that kind of development um, for yourself that professional development piece and so I have to say in the last six seven months I've learned more than I'd say I would have if I'd stayed in the same role for another two years so Mm. yeah an amazing challenge I'm really fortunate and grateful to have it but I suppose now that we're at the beginning of 2023 I'm back into that mobility policy and I suppose I need to find uh, I get. I need to get a lease on an apartment, right? I need to plant some roots in this damn city. So this is the thing, like, it's, and that's the hard part as well because a you're sort of committing to something. You're going right. Well, for the next year or two years, if I well, then I'm going to be there, and you have to get yeah. part of the process and that kind of thing. And that's always difficult. And it's also that thing of you know, for somebody like yourself who has a tendency to go right, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to do it, which is a fantastic trait. And I like, I'm a huge admirer of your courage of just saying, "Fuck it, I'm going skiing, or I'm going to Northern Finland, or I'm." Going going to Stockholm and moving there but it's also that thing of you know once you anchor yourself somewhere you're kind of ruling out that okay if I do this now maybe that is two years where I'll get to go to Finland for 90 days but that's that's it that's going to be home then you know and that can be a little bit restrictive did the job turn out the way you expected Michelle because sometimes with those things you know as Oscar Wilde says there's two tragedies in life one is not getting what you want and the other is getting it did it turn out to be what you wanted um uh That's a difficult question to ask because it didn't turn out to be what I expected. Um, So by the nature of that, no, it didn't turn out to be what I wanted, but it did turn out to be what I needed. Right. Because I I suppose what you would want when you're picturing anything, especially in, in thinking career wise, you, you always wanted to be smooth sailing, right? You never want to have a difficult time of something. And in reality, it's actually been incredibly challenging. And it's challenged me in multiple different ways that I didn't I didn't even expect. Um, I think the interpersonal relationship side of managing such a large team, because we now have 17 account executives um, that call me mom, you know, I don't know if they've imprinted on me or I've imprinted on them. Um, but uh, having quite a large team, it's challenging because every person has their own life outside of work right work is just a part of who we are now we spend a lot of time doing it but it's still only a small part and maybe not truly reflective of the broader sphere of of a person right you've got a certain filter on and a you know a professional mask when when you're in role and i think that's been challenging recognizing that people's personal lives do impact their work right I sadly now one of uh, the team her grandmother passed away quite recently um, and there's there's other elements as well of a person's life um, that need to be taken into account right and need to be um, I suppose um, dealt with in appropriate ways and with the appropriate level of sensitivity as well um, and that's been quite a challenging one from a personal perspective you know um, delivering news like that on behalf of a teammate to the rest of the team um, and trying to kind of maintain a certain level of composure um, but obviously feeling upset on, on their behalf because you get close to the people you work with inevitably um, so that's been a challenge I didn't expect and then also contrary to that still trying to drive high growth and high performance and having a team of you know really highly trained competent professionals um, so it's kind of it's a balancing act that I didn't 
to expect um, to prove so challenging. But I, I think we found a really nice ebb and flow and uh, have a really intelligent, hardworking, kind team of people. And I think that'll stand to us long term. It's an interesting one because it kind of sums up exactly how I perceive you because the first time we met was when we went to Finland with the women's team last year to play just a little sort of friendly tournament against Helsinki Harps and you sort of you undersold yourself a little bit you go ah yeah, yeah sure no I can kick a ball yeah but you no know, years ago and then you got the ball in your hand you went right I'm going to kill everybody to put this in the back of the deck kind of thing you know so your inner winner came out have you learned anything about yourself in managing all these people that you didn't really realize or know beforehand um, oh, that's such an interesting question. Um, um, yeah, probably. And I suppose there's positives and negatives to that. Like we all have, you know, our own strengths that you'd obviously want to kind of um, put forward and, and further develop. And then weaknesses as well that you kind of want to really address. And I'm very much the type of person who wants to look at areas of improvement and continuously develop. I think um, if I was to advocate for myself on the plus side, uh, one thing that I've seen really come to fruition now is um, how behind my team I am. And I suppose that goes for any team that I may be a part of is that, you know, while personally I might say, oh God, you know, you really shouldn't have done that or you really need to pull your socks up in a certain area. But then, you know, if they're under the gun, uh, in another area of the business or with another level of management or whatever, I'll be ready to advocate for them and say, well, actually, you know, this this small area that they might have kind of dropped the ball a little bit isn't reflective of the entire game that they're playing um, and kind of stand in. Um, and then in terms of, you know, the slightly more negative view of things or the areas I need to really work on, I find delegation challenging. And I think I'm the type of person who will just jump in and try and just get something done immediately and the problem is obviously I overwhelm myself and it becomes difficult to manage calendar time and the level of commitment that you're trying to give and um, you know all that stuff but then um, on the other hand it also kind of clips the wings of the people that you're trying to help with their development because you're not giving them the chance and I suppose I've worked under multiple different managers of you know varying degrees of of their own kind of tenure and career and uh, varying degrees of success as well I'd say um, but I learned so much and I was given the opportunity by multiple managers to kind of stumble and trip as I go and learn um, and that part is really important you need to be allowed you know have that scope to to mess up and mm. to learn and then to try again so that's been I think one of the areas that I, I need to focus on the most over the rest of this quarter and into next quarter and to be honest probably for the rest of my career is fighting that urge to just jump in and get it done myself because I've gone through the process of kind of stumbling picking myself up seeing what I did wrong and trying again um, mm. giving others the opportunity to do that but maybe just helping them not fall so so much each time you know yeah, I think there is that thing, like, you know, that's like the Samuel Beckett quote, ever tried, ever failed, try again, fail again, fail better, you know, and we have yeah. a tendency, especially when you've reached a point in your career where you're in a position of responsibility, people know that, and you know that you can probably do these things as well, but my granddad used to call it having a dog and barking yourself when you employ somebody <laughs> and then you try to do it yourself, you know, and sometimes you just got to employ them and you got to get out of your own way and know they're not going to do it exactly the way you would do it they might do it better fuck it they might do it worse but this is the like it's it, the whole thing is a process it's not you know each individual thing is right or wrong in itself you know um let us get on to the subject that we should have started with 22 minutes ago but, but didn't you are behind a drive to get a camogie it's anchored in stockholm to grow like revolution you're trying to grow camogie in stockholm uh, how has that gone so far for you yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. Um, to be honest, the catalyst for wanting a camogie team is, you know, not having a, a particular affinity for football. I don't think I'm very good <laughs> I at it. No <laughs> I think I'm a great player, but go ahead. <laughs> and it's very hard. The ball is so heavy. <laughs> a slitter is far lighter and you get an extra tool to kind of knock it along. Um, I didn't really play football that much when I was younger. Gaelic football, I mean. Um, it wasn't as popular in school when I was growing up in, in Clare as hurling and camogie were. Um, and so I've I've just had more time playing camogie. I think I'm probably slightly better at it um, and thought it might be fun to add that into the mix when obviously there's already such such a, a vibrant, I would say, Irish community in Stockholm um, and really tighten it without being a clique, right, or without being exclusionary, which I love. Mm. Um, and so I started putting out the feelers right then and there when we were in Helsinki that time for the, the football match and asking 
the Helsinki team if if they had any Kamogi players or even hurlers on their side. And we kind of started spitballing an idea um, and then decided to put two and two together and make seven by talking talking about the Olu Irish Festival and would that be an opportunity to do a friendly camogie game and again like a date and time to work towards because if I say oh we'll try and set up a team over here and you guys try and set up a team over there and then what you know what what's the catalyst um for for a game to actually take place so um that was kind of where it started very organically just asking people and having some chats about it and there were a couple of of women interested who some who had played some who had never so much as seen a hurley in their lives um and so we gathered ourselves last at the end of last summer i would say more towards autumn and had one or two i won't call them training sessions i'll call them introductory sessions well, pull, pull <laughs> into, around, a bit of a poke around exactly a puck around indeed which which way is up when it comes to holding the hurley um and it was really fun honestly it was it was a lot of fun and it was a good uh, hour or two spent out in the park we went to haga park for the most part and um unfortunately we weren't able to gather ourselves um on time to play at the olu irish fest um and the same for the helsinki team uh so we're working towards it instead this year so we've gotten ourselves organized a little bit earlier into the calendar year um and uh, yeah, we've got, I think at, at the moment, maybe 11, 11 women that are committed to being able to make the, the big match in October. Um, and hopefully we'll find a few more along the way. So that's it. The focus is, right, one game in October, probably uh, in Oulu or somewhere in Finland, is it? Yeah, so we'll try and we'll try and have a friendly game on time for the Irish Fest, the Olu Irish Fest, um, which I've never been to. I've never even been to Olu. Um, so it sounds like it'll be a bit of fun. But then on top of that, we're, what we're trying to do is form some connections with the likes of um, uh, Komogi, Ireland, GAA, Europe, you know, all of these different organisations that are doing fantastic things to try and promote the sport, um, you know, outside of Ireland as well. And with maybe people who aren't Irish, right, who are just interested in the sport but from other countries and have some sense of connection to either the country of Ireland or the sport of Camogie so um yeah trying to establish some connections and see if there's an opportunity to play a few games um during the summertime as well and if so you know we'll be up for it will we be ready I don't know but Who we have knows? enough hurlies we have enough <laughs> helmets we have enough hurlies so and we've enough women we actually played a game of hurling in Ustalam CP a good, I've got to say it was 12 years ago, maybe 13 years ago in Stockholm. There's been one game and I had pneumonia about two weeks beforehand and I, I crawled out of bed just to play it because I just wanted to play it. And we had the Viking Gales, which is their players who are drawn from all the clubs in the Nordic region who go down and compete in Europe. But Camogie would be fascinating because it is a difficult sport to play. But that said, Michelle, I had the hurls in the back of the car one night and I went to a soccer training in Husby. And this is all Swedish lads, man, many with immigrant backgrounds. And one of the lads picked up the hurl and he hit the slitter as sweet as I've ever seen anybody he just it just clicked straight away so it's not like you know this is not something that we got with the mother's milk these are skills that people can learn you know so we can bring in people from outside what do you need from us from the listeners to this podcast from us as a community what can we do to help you uh, with getting the girls to come out do you need money do you need what do you need from us Oh, Jesus. Yeah. If you've got Revolut, I'll give you my code and you can transfer it to me straight away. I straight promise away. it'll go to the right place. Um, no, <laughs> no, I think the, the biggest thing would be um, I set up an Instagram page called Stockholm Komogi about, I'd say, 15 seconds before joining this podcast um, because I thought I better have a place for people to go. Um, so I'll have the lovely Hazel has already agreed in advance to manage the Instagram page for the Komogi team as well. Um, so at least it gives you a, a place to kind of go and follow what we're up to. So we'll post photos from when we get ourselves together for training. Um, for anybody who's interested in joining, it gives you a place to get in touch as well, which I think is handy. And look, it mirrors what I did when I first came over to Stockholm last year was I reached out on Instagram to the Gales to find out what was going on and what, what I could be a part of. So um, Suzanne from from uh, from the Gales, the chairperson of the Stockholm Gales has been fantastic in offering multiple different layers of support when it comes to trying to get a team um, for an Irish sport off the ground. So hopefully we'll get a little bit of funding from the Gales. Um, and on top of that, I suppose we need to try and find out how much we actually need because um, GAA Europe have asked us about how much kit we have um, and kind of put out the feelers to see if we need a little bit more. Now, I won't lie, the Hurleys, they're as long as I am tall. So we might need some slightly some slightly shorter Hurleys. Um, and uh, and I'd never say no for, for a few more slitters and that type of thing. But, you know, I think ultimately what the benefit is, is it's exposing people that are from Ireland and have never played or people who are not from Ireland and also never played to 
quite a fun, fast-paced sport. And then in the in the midst of that, developing a sense of, I suppose, community, camaraderie, friendship, whatever you want to say, among another group of people on top of what already exists for the Irish community. So um, money isn't my first objective, although we may need some help with getting up to Olu um, and back again next October. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll do my best to help you get up to Olu, but if you don't win, I'm doing nothing to get you back, right? I'll just leave you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> deal. The deal, there you go. Now, you see, that will appeal to your, you know, winner. Michelle, it's been fascinating as always to talk to you. And do keep us informed. And if there is anything that you need that this podcast can help you with and reaching out and that kind of thing, get back on here. We'll tell another few jokes and we'll grab money off people or whatever. But for now, Michelle Cotter, enjoy the skiing and we shall talk again soon. Sounds fantastic. Thanks, Phil. See you again. go and we're nearly at the end of another episode of the irish in sweden podcast uh finishing off there with the wonderful michelle cotter i think she's just fantastic i think she's hilarious and i think she's just just this fantastically driven and organized person and she's a great person to have around the place altogether so keep in touch with her follow the account there i think it's stockholm camogie on instagram and stay in touch with them and that kind of thing and before we go um on that subject of instagram and that kind of thing i've been talking to a fellow a little uh the last little while right great guy called shane monaghan has a platform called Lemore, which is to do with social audio. So it's kind of like Instagram just for audio and that, you know. And he's been giving me a load of great advice. And he was sort of saying to me that, look, at, you know, you're kind of overstretching yourself with all the, you know, the different Instagram accounts for the different podcasts. And so everybody knows it's me anyway. So you may notice that in the near future, I'm going to consolidate all those accounts, to use that lovely business term, and just go back to use my own uh, Instagram account and that kind of thing. So make sure you're following at Philip Ablana on, uh, on Instagram and at Philip O'Connor on Twitter. Twitter, and that way sure yeah you'll be able to find these podcasts wherever you go and of course you'll find me on Facebook and on LinkedIn as well there before I do go right I do know that here in Stockholm they are the Swedish Irish Society are looking for volunteers for the St. Patrick's Day Parade and they've been in touch with the Stockholm Gales and they've been looking for people to take part there so it's usually stewarding it's basically ensuring that the whole parade happens in a very safe way it usually means either you know paint a few kids faces or uh, get put a yellow bib on and help them to steer the traffic and help them to steer the people who are taking part in the parade together with the police uh, last year I was St. Patrick at the head of the parade last year and I had a wonderful Owen Sheedy up there alongside me and just sort of guiding everybody as they went you know and did a great job there altogether. so that's one of those things that they're going to be looking for so if uh, if you fancy doing that, if you fancy uh, taking part in that and helping out a little bit, the Swedish Irish Society would be delighted to hear from you. So you can hit them up on their social media channels. And of course, with Easter coming and that kind of thing, there's a few people that you should know about. One is uh, Jack and Mutley's Coffee. We spoke to Jack a few weeks ago, so uh, you might want a nice little bit. Of, you might might want to treat treat your Swedish relatives to a nice cup of coffee over uh, over the Easter. Right? So have a listen to the podcast with him talking about the coffee, and then go and go and buy a few bits and pieces off him there. Get it ground up and get it sorted out, right? And present it to them. And it wouldn't be like this Yvalia or any other trash that you get work. It's really good, sort of a hand roasted coffee that made by an Irishman here. You have Carl Stein, of course, from Tushed. Uh, he's doing great things with uh, entirely natural sodas so no E numbers no additives your kids won't be going bananas if you give them one of these with their, their Easter dinner or on St Patrick's Day you know if you're in the pub or whatever else like that we have the great James Linus who came along and is uh, very generously donated some money to keep the podcast going and his jealous devil charcoal I heard recently that it's going to be in Ica Phantom stores very recently it's not there yet but it will be coming out around by Easter time and uh, I'd be suggesting you give that a go right because it's uh, there's a very high wood content in it very very good for burden and bits and pieces right so get that in there as well we'll also be bringing you more news from the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden who are our very generous sponsors and we'll be doing more content with them we're hoping actually to do a live podcast with them around about St. Patrick's Day right we haven't quite nailed down the technology yet I have to I, I have most of it sorted out but it's one of those things that you know you just want to know that's going to work before we go promising you a live broadcast on St. Patrick's Day with the business community and the chamber here in Stockholm and of course the legend that is Martin Hessian and the wonderful Veerstum's 
pub down below there in Gamla Stan. I was actually in there with my good lady wife Maria on St. Valentine's Day and we just it was great because uh, but Moena who works there was saying it's a great night to go in there because nobody not nobody but there's few enough people in there you know so we just went in we had fish and chips and I had an alcohol free Guinness and she had a regular because it was a lovely time but there wasn't too many people there but there's loads of people there now uh, now the rugby is kicking off and the Champions League nights are back now after the Christmas break the Premier League nights are, are on and there's going to be you know the Women's World Cup is coming up and of course you know there's all sorts of sporting events on there so if you want to be guaranteed uh, a table you need to get in touch with Martin Hessian there and make sure that you book it tell him the Irish and Sweden podcast sent you and he'll look after you next Friday evening I think it'll be half past six so if you're listening to this the Monday came out at half past six the following Friday god almighty I might even look up the date for you now if I can find it right um that would be the date the 24th right the 24th of february uh the stockholm guest soccer team are going to be in there right so if you're interested in that to do with soccer if you want to get involved if you want to play if you want to coach if you want to help out around the team please come in if you know anybody if you have any swedish pals who might be interested in playing especially goalkeepers or if you fancy getting in between the sticks yourself and uh, and doing the club a solid that'd be great so we're going to plan for the season ahead uh get involved get stuck in there so that's all the housekeeping jesus we got through that in no time at all the very end of the podcast uh it's been fun next week as i say it will be this very special episode that was recorded down in fagan's pub where i had a chat with the lads about their upcoming 25th anniversary and uh, if you have anything i did mention the irish store in sweden didn't i uh, irish store in Arabro, you can get all your goodies ahead of easter now get your orders in early now and melina and graham reggie reynolds will get in there so actually that was the other thing that i meant to ask you uh, graham reggie reynolds as you know has been picked on the fly fishing team the swedish fly fishing team and they're going away competing now and they are looking to raise i think they need to raise about 150,000 crowns so if you want to get involved in sponsoring uh, reggie get in touch with me um any amount large or small they will be delighted if you're involved in the food business or the fishing business at all he'd be happy to give you a plug they have a youtube channel that loads of people tend to watch and that kind of thing right so if there's any possibility to offer a bit of uh, sponsorship to graham graham is a tremendous fella if you go back you'll find him just around the time he's competing to get the place in the swedish team he had a chat with me and he gave us some brilliant insight into fly fishing and the joy of fly fishing in sweden but he's an extremely competitive character and i know he wants to do the absolute best he can for sweden so if you can give him a bit of sponsorship that'll be brilliant altogether as I say, get in touch with me and I'll pass the contact details on. Up over the hour mark again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again for listening, right? Uh, I don't often say it, but I really appreciate the fact that so many people tune in every week and that they listen all the way to the end. And when you send me a message on WhatsApp or on Instagram, you know, not, not everybody does it, but when people do do it, it's great because you know the people are out there listening and that they care and it's worth me while doing all this, you know, to put the effort in and to be chasing people down and doing interviews both in the studio and over Zoom and down in Malmo and that kind of thing so i really appreciate that so uh, long may i continue listen i'm gonna let this go right it's been fantastic get back uh, in your podcast feed there pick up that one the global gale with colin o'callaghan about running and i shall talk to you again next week take care of yourselves and take care of one another good luck mm-hmm.